Walter Bell with the Team of the Brass of Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, formerly a contributor both to Baseball Think Factory and ESPN Insider. He's recently joined Fangraphs in a full-time capacity. He's both the owner and the operator of the Zips Projection System. It is Dan Zimborski. Dan Zaborski is the guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. And what this edition of Fangraphs Audio does is to serve as an introduction and or a reintroduction to Zimborski. He's been a guest on the program before. There was also hundreds of episodes ago, literally hundreds of episodes ago. So what we do is revisit, we revisit Zimborski. To say that the conversation is wide-ranging would be accurate. Some might say that it contains inspired and or whimsical flights. Uh, other less charitable listeners might suggest that it is garbage or garbage trash. What one can't deny, however, is that it is most definitely content. It is content that has been produced for Fangraphs Audio. And if nothing else, it contains Zimborski's very progressive views on parenthood. Yeah, you, you break a kid, you can't go down to Home Depot and get, like, PVC pipes and fix them up. That revelation and others not unlike it to follow. Before we get to that conversation, however, it is both my privilege and also my professional obligation to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist. For reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can support the excellent work that appears in those electronic pages. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, not unreasonable, but slightly less reasonable, those same readers can acquire what is known as an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one from the tyranny and the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership, available by going to Fangraphs.com and then clicking Wildly. <laughs> Click wildly at fangraphs.com. Okay. Uh, with that advert now complete, let us move on to our conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Fangraphs newest full time employee, Dan Zamborski. And when does it begin? Right now. Good job, Carson. You're the best at that. Yeah, I still have a, a nasally voice. Yeah. Uh, I I, I kind of hoped I'd grow up and become Jeffrey Holder, but I didn't. Yeah, I think you stayed Dan Zimborski the whole time, isn't that right? Yeah, just just me. I don't have that wonderful Trinidadian. I can't I can't say the uncola, ha ha ha. But uh, what? Uh, how'd you get that voice? Um, now listen, we've we've spoken before, but uh, I've conveniently forgotten it, which makes uh, which makes everything. Well, see, I've taken I've taken speech classes to try to improve my voice and it's you know it's all about trying to speak from your diaphragm yeah. but when i speak like that i so i i add i start sounding like i'm trying to be fraser crane uh so i i don't really do that not kelsey grammar though no i don't know i haven't I, i'm trying to think i don't think i've heard him as much as as kelsey grammar as fraser i don't yeah. know where kelsey stops and fraser starts yeah, it's one thing that uh, people have been asking for years. Um, you just missed uh, – well, now, you, of course, you're part of Team Fangraphs. So I can divulge to you, for example, that one of my duties includes the conversation I just had with Travis Sochik, who was trying to – he was trying to bully me into publishing his post because it's relevant, he says. But I'm not going to be bullied around, Zim Borski. I'm, I'm very, very nice. <laughs> I'm, 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 I have never bullied anyone except merchants that displease me. Actually, I will. I will say I was surprised because I don't typically think of you as a, you know, as like a feeling human. <laughs> I did notice you know, your your comments in your uh, the post you wrote for today announcing your. Uh, the I, I, you were... I can be warm. I just need. I just need to wind myself up a little. Yeah. Uh, you know, watch puppies and 
and lollipops oh. and stuff. You know, it was very. Uh, it was, I thought it was very sweet. Thank I'm not you. sure if it was entirely honest, but it was sweet. Oh no, I am. I am. I am scrupulously honest. Like when I was at uh, Bristol the first time, they're taking my license for an ID, and I made sure to point out that my license was expired because I felt like I was lying to them otherwise. Yeah. And they said, oh, we don't we don't care. We just need your picture for the ID. Were you not driving? I was driving. <laughs> you just let it you just let it lapse. Yeah, I when I moved from Maryland to uh Ohio, I renewed it once, still from Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I never actually did Ohio and then I kind of forgot because I hadn't been pulled over and nobody carded me for alcohol anymore. Yeah. And I actually passed the threshold in which I had to actually retake the driver's test in Ohio to get my license. Oh no. So, so I was like 35 at the time and everyone there was like 16 they have a road test i got the parallel parking right uh when i took my maryland test when i was 16 i failed the parallel parking the first time and i had to do the whole test next week this time i failed the road test as a 35 year old Mm -hmm. because i forgot that whole thing where you're supposed to carefully stop like 20 feet behind a stop sign completely and then slowly creep up for like, you know, a, like a three minute right hand turn. I kind of forgot that. And I drove like I normally did. And I thought I had passed the test and, until the, I guess it was a state trooper told me that, oh no, you failed. You didn't actually stop at any of the stop signs. I thought, oh yeah, you have, you have to do that. When you take, there would be some pleasure, I think, in failing someone who has previously had a driver's <laughs> license and let it lapse. If you had that knowledge just to... Uh, make it clear to that applicant that um, wasn't just going to waltz in, get his license here in Ohio. Yeah, you want to have like a couple victims uh, so that the kids see, you know, you know, we're serious times here. I no. actually told her then, you know, when I when I when I get my license, I'm I'm not going to. This was next week after I passed. I, I even said to her, you know, when I get my license again, I'm not actually going to stop at stop signs like this. And she said, yeah, well, I also figure you drove home last week anyway. And I said, yeah. <laughs> like, like the, it's 40 miles. From, the closest testing center was literally 40 miles from my house. I'm not going to have my mom bring me like I'm 16. I mean, I was going to drive. There was no way I wasn't. Yeah. Huh. Well, good that you didn't get pulled over. What is the fine in Ohio? Do you know for uh... like $500? Yeah. No, that's so fun. I was careful not to speed. I yep. haven't been pulled over since 2005, I think. That's good. That was uh that was in Cincinnati for the Saber convention. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, you uh got in some trouble in your own state for I was still in Maryland at that point. So yeah. this was this was on the road. I drove to Cincinnati from there. Do you still go to all the Saber conventions? I don't go to all of them. I go to some of them. It depends on how lazy I am, what time of the what exact time of the year it is. Uh because I'm still not a fan of flying, even though I do it a lot, mm-hmm. but it's easier to get me to fly to somewhere that's an hour away than, say, the West Coast. The most recent one was in Pittsburgh. Yes. I did not go to that one, actually. It just was a really bad timing for me. Mm-hmm. Did you hear where they did next year? I, I, I have not heard at all. No, I assume. I mean, we're both we're both staring into portals of all world information, so it could probably it could probably be retrieve that information pretty quickly yeah but they don't always update that quickly uh news latest news and i am sad i missed the pittsburgh one that would have been a, a fun one yeah it's a beautiful ballpark did you go to the pittsburgh no i did one? not no i have no idea what i was doing but you know uh i have one of these children now and uh there's a bit of negotiating 
around any sort of event like this. Um, well, that's that, why they invented trunks. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm not. I don't have kids. Social services has pre-warned about me reproducing. So, oh, <laughs> you've been, I'm, sure, you've been, I'm sure they hear about it. You've been flagged. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good idea. I'm not, before I, I realized all the uh, civil rights implications, I did at one point harbor the notion that, that one ought to be licensed in order to reproduce. It, in retrospect, I, again, I recognize that the, there's probably room for um, you know people's lives to be ruined that way. Yeah, I, I think in theory, though, if you could somehow devise a test that was not uh, you know was not biased culturally in any way. I think at least like a small, like a short training course. I had to go through a training course to secure a home loan. So, yeah. <laughs> and it taking care of a house, I think, is easier than than taking care of a child. Yeah, you you break a kid, you can't go down to Home Depot yeah. and get like you know PVC pipes and no. fix them up. No. Yeah, I I think everyone. See, I, I was the first kid, so I think I was kind of a practice kid anyway. Yeah. I think my sister kind of benefited from all the uh, the failures that my parents probably had. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I have no complaints about how I was raised, but I was raised in a family which kind of treated kids like adults, like normal people, which was fine in a lot of ways. But it's kind of weird if you think about it, letting a four or five year old essentially have his own life. <laughs> the kind of joke was that that when I was five, that as long as I had like a source of income and a driver, they could just leave me to just do my own thing. Yeah. Uh, so. So well, there, there uh, that, were, yeah, there were that, benefits to that. I mean, I grew up very independent. My parents never tried to push an opinion on me that I didn't have. So, what town is this? What town are you growing up in here? Uh, I was born in '78, so this is still the early '80s. When... No town. What town? Oh, oh, town. This was in Towson, Maryland. Oh, okay. Home from home to Towson, uh, what university? Yeah, Towson right? University, Towson yeah. State at the time. The the Tigers. Lots of my friends went there. Right. And so, so I grew up, like, everyone in my family has, like, different political beliefs, different ideology, different philosophy, because that's just how we were raised. But it also, I guess that being raised in that manner also kind of made me a little undisciplined. Okay. I'm very hard to get to do things I'm not interested in. If there's something I don't want to do, it's really, really hard. Still as an adult, even being self-aware of this fact, it's just hard for me to do it. I'll just stare at it forever, like filling out like paperwork. Like it won't happen unless that's, I'm, like, I think motivated. that's. A, I think ultimately, though, that's a that's a good quality to have. Yeah, unless you have to fill out paperwork, then it's kind of bad. Well, yes, there are times uh, when you when you must submit to a force beyond your control. But I think that uh, generally uh, having something, I mean, whether you consider it a sort of, um, I think uh, what Ralph Waldo Emerson refers to it as a good-natured inflexibility. Would you say that you have a good-natured inflexibility? Yeah, I think I think you could say a lot. You could put that a lot in a much more negative way than the, than Emerson did. So I, I'll, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, I think so. I think, well, ultimately, I think that those tend to be happier people, too. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think I'm pretty happy. I don't have a lot of angst. I, I sometimes think back about being a kid growing up, and you, you see people that have angst about like their experiences in, in high school and growing up, and I don't really have any of that angst. I, I like being in high school. I didn't really do all that much that was work, and I guess you could say I don't do all that much now that's work, but that's besides the point. I liked being a kid. Uh, I had a car. I mean, it was a Ford Tempo, but when you're 16, anything that drives is a car. Yeah, that's a... And, vehicle, and so, yeah, I, I like growing up. I mean, I wasn't like one of the super popular kids, but I wasn't like one of the kids that was picked on. I was kind of in that middle class where I just kind of exist. And yeah. So. Hey, hey, tell me about 
tell me about Towson. This, so this is very much. Is this even? Does this even count as a suburb, or is this this is this kind of? It's very close to Baltimore, is the point. Yeah, it's 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 a little north of Baltimore. There's a few areas between it. Maryland's kind of weird because only a few of the areas in Maryland are actually incorporated. Baltimore and Annapolis are essentially the incorporated communities of Maryland. All other places, like when you talk about suburbs of Baltimore, like Towson, Lutherville, Cockeysville, Hunt Valley, all those things are just, although there's no actual city or city management, all these places are determined, even like Ellicott City, are determined essentially by tradition and where people arbitrarily set their lines. Uh, counties are big. There's county government in in Maryland, which which kind of controls that all. So there's no actual real Towson. It's just a census designated place. It's it's weird like that. So okay, so how does that affect something like like urban design? Like how how, how do what parties do you organize to ensure that uh, there will be like sensible I don't know zoning and building etc. Well, essentially you have county government. Essentially Maryland's like 22 different cities because county government is 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 a significant thing. The Baltimore County Executive mm-hmm. uh, was a significant figure and Baltimore City was its own thing. It wasn't it wasn't part of any county. It's just the big chunk of Baltimore City. It was like its own entity that they couldn't dare expand Baltimore because Baltimore County would probably literally have a revolution if Baltimore City expanded because They've had some threats of that, and then threats go back and forth. Maryland, it, it was interesting growing up, and it's weird not living in Maryland because every place has an <laughs> actual place. Like, you're in the city of, or the village of, or the hamlet of. Everything is a thing, and it wasn't like that. It's like, you have a specific town that you're paying your local taxes to, and you didn't really have that in Maryland. So that's still, that's still getting used to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out your town right here. Towson, I'm walking up and down, what am I, Delaney Yeah, Delaney Valley. Valley. That, yeah, that's where Towson High is, and that's where, where the mall is, and there's a couple good golf courses. Yeah. Uh, is there, like, is there a, like a downtown proper in Towson? There's a small downtown proper. The, uh, if, if you go up York to Road. Bosley. Yeah, Joppa. If you follow Joppa, you'll see the Baltimore County Courthouse. Okay. And there's a whole little tiny downtown area around where the courthouse is, uh, where like there's a couple... Towson Town Center, Towson University, Towson High School, and it's it's kind of a downtown. It's really more of a a dense suburban area, a dense suburban commercial mixed. I have a friend who has a master's in civil planning, uh, city planning, so maybe mm-hmm. he can describe that better. Uh, but it didn't really have a downtown. It was just kind of you know a, a generally you know middle class suburban generic place. So I've always been comfortable in suburbs. I I I, I like having a car. I don't think I'd be comfortable living in a real city for that long for someone who likes having a car i've been led to believe that you're not always great about updating your license no yeah well that's things i should i still like driving the car i just don't always like as i say about things i'm kind of space on getting a license was one of those things hey what do you think about this idea okay it is uh i don't know i say it's frequently uttered i could be lying uh i feel as though i have heard humans before utter this driving is not a right it's a privilege right I've heard, yeah, I've heard that know, uttered before. Having hands is having a privilege, not a right, too. So Having having hands? You yeah, don't, that's, you don't that's what I always tell people. Kneeling. Someone pokes me and I tell them, you know, having hands is a privilege, not a right. So, But I, I like driving. So Okay, but listen, in some areas, it's it essentially, I think it's more of a right than other places. Because uh, if, for example, if, if uh, some sort of vehicle is required to drive, then you're essentially like, are you essentially removing someone's right to work by taking away 
by taking away their vehicle? I haven't really considered that. Uh, I think, I guess you could say there is no right to work, but uh, that then, then we kind of get into some tricky uh, ideological questions. But I like having a car. Uh, but I, 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 it, no, it, it's very nice. Uh, I mean, I've had three cars in my life, so I, I keep my car for a long time. I recently uh, got a new car, and I'm I'm still kind of wistfully sad about my old car. Yeah, what was the old what was the old car make and model? I had an old uh, 2004 Mazda six. Oh, okay. Which I bought in 2004, and I I really really liked that car, and. I, I I am still sad to see it go. It 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 was it was time. Mm-hmm. I was actually calling the dealership a couple times to to check on to see if they'd sold it yet, and they have sold it, and I was super happy. And it wasn't to salvage; it was to someone who's going to fix up the niddling problems that I don't have the skills to do. So you really you really followed up. Yeah, I I wanted that. That's what I was mostly concerned with. The salesman keeps asking me, "So how you liking the car?" I'm like, "I like it, but I want to talk about my old car." Did you guys fix the brakes up? How, how did you did you get that trunk fixed? Did someone come and see it? Did they like it? I I kind of wanted it to have a good home, even if it wasn't mine anymore. You're not. This is not going to lead to any sort of uh, restraining <laughs> order, is it? Because there is sort of <laughs> they, if you follow this this inquiry through to its logical conclusion. Yeah, they didn't give me the name. That would right. It, I mean, it would be an interesting case from a legal standpoint. Someone stalking someone else, not because they're stalking the person, but they're they're stalking their old car. Yeah, they're old. Yeah, they're old. Check just on. Wanna, I just wanted to see it. I just I just wanted to see it, and I say no. You can't drive within three blocks of this car anymore. <laughs> and they'll give you like a GPS, and you say, "Oh man, they're on I seventy five. I can't go there now." Yeah. Uh, but I, I I hope that they like the car. Yeah. You just wanted to see it pass on. Yeah, there are a lot of goofy things with it. The uh, the driver's side window, you kind of have to push it down like halfway. It would hit like a spot where it would stop and it would start groaning. The trunk didn't stay up on its own. It's a hatchback. The antenna popped off in West Virginia somewhere. So you feel like it maybe it ended up in someone's hands who's maybe who's maybe qualified to address yeah. those problems. Yeah, I, I'm sure that if I had updated these things over time because mm-hmm. replacing an antenna doesn't really sound all that hard. I think I've done, I mean, I've changed oil before. I'm, I'm sure I can put on an antenna, but yeah. you see, I never really got around to fixing these things. So they just accumulated all these blooper things that, that needed to be done. I, and I like, like getting new tires because when they did a lot of construction around here on I-75, there was a, there were a lot of times I, I've had blowouts on three of the four tires. So I had this weird blend of tires that were all from different time periods that probably needs to be taken care of uh they do have my aftermarket radio so i hope they like that because it it does it does play mp3s very well okay uh, but I, I i like to think it, it went to a good home because it's yeah. a cool car i enjoyed it okay yeah you've made that abundantly clear <laughs> <laughs> yeah my enjoyment didn't apparently extend to doing like those those kinds of small maintenance items but i like the car itself yeah, so wait, it sounds like you said you've you've changed oil before. That that that's like a that's a useful skill. Yeah, but it's not that hard. It's it's really easy on that car. Yeah, but I think so. I do, I don't think that right. I think you're no. I've never done it before, but it is quite possibly the sort of thing that you could you know either watch a YouTube video or uh, you know follow directions. And if you did everything according to uh, to the directions, I think you probably could manage it. But I think that any new activity like that, at least for me, it requires so much. I don't know if I'm going to make. This is I'm going to make a computing analogy, Dan Zaborski. I think that the it requires so much RAM, you know, like mm-hmm. I it, I have to. It's all simple, but it's all new. It's all it's also very new, and so um, I think that's where I run into trouble. 
what's intimidating about working on a car, at least for me, mm-hmm. is there's always this fear that you'll have extra parts after you put it back together again. And, you know, I had that a lot when I fixed things. When I fixed my furnace, I had some extra screws. You fixed when your I, furnace? Yeah, I, I, I fixed the little sensor on the pilot that tells you when, it, when the uh, gas light comes on and it tells it that it's lit and it stays on. I fixed that. Uh, I, I still have some extra screws, so I ended up putting it into place with some duct tape because yeah. the screws I had didn't seem to fit with the missing screws. Okay. When I fix my laptop, I always have extra screws, but that's a little more worrisome when you're in a vehicle that weighs 3,000 pounds. The and stakes hurt- are pretty high. Yeah, yeah the oh, stakes are pretty well, high. You don't, you don't want extra parts with your car. Well, yeah, you also don't want extra parts. A furnace can also... I don't know if you know this, but as... <laughs> They, they typically use fire, combustible. It's, it's combustible fuel and fire. True, but they do. Yeah. It does have safeties in there. So yeah, but who knows if you're the one? If you're if you're see now you're assembling them. Now I'm now I'm going to think about. Yeah, I think you should be that. worried. That's what that's this what I'm was, suggesting. This was actually several years ago, so it, it has held up since then. Now, how often do you? Re- what, what do you got? You got a natural gas furnace? I do have a natural gas furnace. Okay. Do you need filters for those? Yeah, you have to put in your filters, or you'll or you or the air will clog up the. Uh, yeah. The, the screw well, cage Well, how thing. often do you replace your filter? Oh, I, I replace my filters once a month. I'm very good at that. Would you, say you do, would you say you do it religiously? I don't think there's dogma unless liking having the air conditioning work is a religion. If there is a religion that involves air conditioning as an ongoing concern, I mm-hmm. would be a part of that religion because I sweat really easily. I don't know if that's just out of shape or just laziness or because I have this, this Slavic, German, Russian background that isn't really made for beaches but i, I don't know how that is but uh with, with the car i learned to do the oil essentially out of shame because i was a thousand miles past the sticker where the little thing they put on your window to tell you when to come in for the next oil change yeah i was a thousand miles past it and i didn't want the dealer the, the mechanic to yell at me so that that's why i learned to change the oil so i wouldn't get yelled at shame's a powerful motivator it is it oh is. one of the it's, one of the great motivators yeah it's why I wear pants when I go out places because okay. yes, I don't like so... getting dressed if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think I'm glad that it's convinced you to wear pants. Yeah, the the world is too. They uh, every year at ESPN, I when we start talking about the body issue, I I joke about mm-hmm. the uh, the writers issue that we should do and have the writers' bodies. Yeah. And every week, every year, they laugh at my joke, and then obviously we don't do that. But yeah. there could have been that one year. I'd use, the jo- I'd use the term joke, I'd use it <laughs> lightly in this particular case. <laughs> There's always that risk that one year, say, someone would say, okay, Dan, uh, uh, we'll, we'll book your flight, come here, uh, make sure to have your bikini zone shaved. They say that over at ESPN, you might be getting someone in trouble. No, you know, I'd say yeah, there's yeah. a risk we, of that happening. They they we, did not. We live do in that. a fraught. We live in a fraught time. You understand yeah, that? But, but never happens. So so society <laughs> stayed safe from the writer's issue. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, above above and beyond. I think. No, all of a sudden, I think that's very good that uh, we've been protected from that. Uh, let's see. A couple important questions. You're Slavic, German, Russian. What is your thought on cabbage? I, I do like cabbage. It depends. There's a lot of vegetables I like when they're raw rather than cooked. Okay. I, I, I think green beans are like that. I don't like cooked green beans. I only like them raw. Like fresh, I don't yeah. like cooked kale. I only like it raw. It's a, yeah. it's a texture thing. I like sure. it to be... You know, crunchy and and fresh tasting. I don't like it slimy. And cabbage and a lot of those Eastern European meals can be a little slimy. Well, I believe they're. I believe that the um, the philosophy is to cook them into submission. 
Yeah. Boil them into smithing. Yeah, it becomes like a, almost like a gel. Mm -hmm. When my grandfather, who was the Russian, though, I guess Ukrainian would be more accurate. He was a little old Ukrainian Jew. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he loved borscht so much. Mm -hmm. And he'd, he'd make this massive bowl of, of, of borscht. He'd put in a giant thing of sour cream. He'd put caviar in it. He'd mix it all up. And it looked like just this horrible Pepto Bismol bowl with like yeah. black specks, like those were bugs that flew in. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I've no one in my family has been psychologically able to eat borscht as a result. Yeah, borscht on its so I, I suppose it, one could as regard the color as pretty, but it's not. It has a I don't know. It's not always. It's it's usually it's not a color that typically if you see something of that color in nature, you try and stay away from it. Yeah, it's, it's eggplant. Eggplant I like if it's not overcooked too, but eggplant. The, the modern eggplant, I mean, they made it look more poisonous. Obviously, when eggplants first were a thing, they were all white and green and, like, small, and they developed the purple eggplant. But it does not look like something you should eat. It looks like some sort of weird poison sack that you'd see, like, in an Aliens movie. It does not look... You don't see a bulbous purple thing and say, oh, man, I gotta eat that. I gotta get, I gotta get it on that. You know, I want to say something. Um, I'm shocked. I, you announced, as we're speaking, you announced, I think, less than an hour ago that you'd be joining the site. And you, there are so there are people, there are many well wishers, and this is just very surprising. Yeah, that, that to is me. surprising. I haven't yeah. seen anybody. I I thought by now at least someone would have complained. Ugh, another another a lot of people they could have added friggin' Zimborski, friggin' Zimborski. Uh, but yeah. but pe people have been nice so far. Yeah, yeah, surprising. I don't know if that's currying favor because they might think that now I'll be able to find uh, I'll get like a piece of the treasure map to Dave Cameron's gold which which I believe is is the legend that I hope to find out the truth of but Dave Cameron's uh, gold it? yeah that's not the first that's not the first finger I've supposed uh, I, I mean you guys searching. have the map don't you and the clues no, there's only certain things I can divulge. and the puzzle box okay you'll be you'll be introduced to these sorts of things after Okay, our After next, certain next meeting. Work anniversaries and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, because I, yeah. I, I look forward to deciphering it and you know getting past the, the, uh, the, the sentinels that guard it mm -hmm. and, yeah. and to find Dave's gold. Yeah, I think David Appleman is the one you really need to be worrying about. You know? Yeah, but see, he's probably still watching his gold. Other Dave, since he's in San Diego... He he might be distracted with he's, his work. With his work, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you noticed. So he joined the, uh, he, you know, as you noticed, he joined uh, Major League Baseball San Diego Padres in the research development. Uh, not not too long. So uh, shortly before he left Fangraphs.com, he wrote a piece uh, as he did every year as a writer. He wrote a piece called "Free Agent Landmines." Mm -hmm. And uh, in which he discussed the five players who were who seemed most likely to uh, receive. Um, Contracts that were not necessarily reflective of their ability, and 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 we, and we all know uh, who number one was. Well, I saw. <laughs> I feel very happy to say the name was Eric Hosmer. But shortly after he wrote that, he joined the Padres, and of course, not too long after that, the Padres signed Eric Hosmer. Um, if you go and you read uh, Jeff Sullivan's his uh, examination of the signing, it may, may be a piece you, you didn't see at the time, but you will find you will find that his words that his um, he's enjoying it quite a bit. You find that he's writing, writing gleefully. Is how <laughs> I think he. I think he enjoyed it. I think he would have regarded it as a delicious signing. Yeah, it, yeah. You, you do want those things because in a world in which you like everything, it's just mm -hmm. really not much fun. It's it's fun to complain about things and to joke about things. I like on, on Twitter. Someone was telling me that I need to stop talking about Eric Hosmer because I was right and like like so I I can't talk about it because I was right. That's not a lot of fun. Yeah. Well. I, I can't. Uh, I have no position on the issue. 
on the talking about Hosmer or yeah, you talking about Hosmer? Yeah. Uh, well, well, well let, let me ask you a question. What about what will you be writing for FanGraphs.com? I will be writing about baseball. Baseball, okay, yeah, yeah. I I, I will try to keep the uh, the wrestling gifs to an, a minimum. You could, I think there's a, probably a place for them. Uh, yeah, you, so you're going to do a lot of baseball coverage huh, for FanGraphs.com. Yeah, on a more serious basis. One one thing we got away from on ESPN Insider is we we had a very long horizon that really didn't tackle like breaking news and mm-hmm. breaking transactions to the same degree. It was all kind of shuffled off to dot com. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I'm looking forward to writing about. Back at the present. Present yeah. moment. Yeah. I, I, I love writing about transactions and some of my best read pieces were about transactions. I think the most read piece I ever wrote was for the uh for the Josh Beckett, Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford signing or excuse me, trade. I guess you can call it a signing in a in a weird kind of uh existential way so so i i, I kind of miss doing those kinds of things so yeah I'm, I'm excited too because i think one of the things about the internet era is that news moves quickly and we need to give analysis quickly we need to have good takes quickly we need to have hot takes that aren't terrible you know good hot takes and so hopefully i'll have more good hot takes than bad hot takes uh, hey give me a hot take on this uh, on this news item you ready let's, let's test your skills uh, just a couple hours ago the Rangers acquired Austin Jackson. Yeah, that that's a little confusing. Uh, you, I mean, you look at it from the Giants' standpoint, and they're they're clearing payroll, and it, it's interesting to see if a move that's explicitly about clearing payroll, because literally it is. They want to get under stay under that cap. They might make another acquisition, but I'm a little confused about it from the Rangers' side. I don't see where they really get that much of a benefit from it. From it, I actually kind of expect Austin Jackson to be in another uniform by the end of the month. But no one really cares about Austin Jackson enough to, you know, make the Mike Piazza Marlin jokes. Like, remember that time that Austin Jackson played for the Rangers and then someone like 30 years from now is like, you know, I don't remember Austin Jackson at all. Like, oh, <laughs> oh that... Um, Austin Jackson's had an interesting... He's had an interesting... I'm not... I'm not it's fine. You could say that about Austin Jackson. <laughs> but... but um, He's he had did have him. He had his moments. Yeah, he's had his moments. Yeah, I mean, he had some really good seasons with with the Tigers uh, when when no one really thought he was going to keep hitting three hundred, and he did for a little while, and then and then there were some injuries, and that kind of backed off, and now he's kind of the guy's everyone gets a one year five million dollar contract every year for the rest of his life. Austin Jackson is an interesting player. Or is there an interesting case study uh, when? discussing projections because uh, and I came across this the other day because uh, I was thinking and then uh, who knows why wrote about uh, John Jay and uh, what they have in common is uh, a very high career betting average in balls in play yeah uh, I mean that that's that's one of the challenges of, of, of modeling projections is is looking at that batting average on balls in play and seeing how it's predicted. And it is predictive for hitters more than it is for pitchers. Zips will tend to have Austin Jackson at, at the at the height of BABIP, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's always consistently believed to be a 320, 330, 340 guy. I mean, it's hard to expect him to hit 380 every year because that's, you know, better than Ty Cobb. And, and anytime someone does that, then I say, are you saying that the person's better than Ty Cobb? Because there is a limit to how much of that can be real. He he's at nearly 400 this year, which is kind of depressing considering that he's below replacement level with a 400 batting average of balls in play. So I mean, you're like telling him, you know, you're 600 OPS. You're actually lucky to have that. So yeah, so he's at 396 so far. Zips had him at 329 before the season began, yep. and now Zips has him at 342, which I think seems somewhat somewhat aggressive. I think Z- I think uh, Zips rest of season projections especially on that, tend to be a bit on the progressive side. Or, nope. 
aggressive side. No, no, you're right. Uh, one of the things that I discovered when when doing in season projections and and you know going over the massive amounts of data from each point in the season is that in season things like batting average and balls in play it's a little stickier than you'd expect. You expect that if this was next year's projection that would come down quite a not quite a bit, but it would come down from that 342. Mm-hmm. But these gains tend to be just a little stickier in season, uh, which was was one of the things I discovered while trying to do in season projections. Yeah. Maybe they have some sort of bacterial infection. <laughs> so it it works with it works with it's the same with pictures too. Some of those guys that 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 had that better bebit. Mm-hmm. I, I love saying bebit because it just sounds ridiculous. But yeah, it does it's, it, a, it's it, a hard it is, word? It to, is stickier. To, yeah, and it does maintain a little better than you'd expect. But then it tends to crash. It's I guess the Eric Milton curse. Supply for me another uh, hot take, um, and that is regarding Manny Machado. Uh, Machado, see, I'm from Baltimore, so I'm still ostensibly an Orioles fan. Yeah, well, I've seen you griping. Uh, yeah, I gripe a, a lot about yeah. it. It's see, I, I tell myself that I can't really actively root for this team while they're run the way they are. I mean, the same way you you have a favorite restaurant and you can't. There's only so many times you can eat there, and they put hair in your like a big ball of hair in your soup, and you can still eat there. But I, I I can't completely extricate myself from a warm feeling towards hope, at least hoping the Orioles will do well at some point. And and I and, and I just had this fear that it, it would be such an Orioles thing to either take a major league ready player because they think they can win now. Or to just stubbornly not trade him at all and take the uh, the compensation pick because that's sometimes how the Orioles rule. They they do things a little weird sometimes. I mean, you look at their whole position on international signings where they don't want to do them. You look how they did with how they dealt with the whole Otani thing where you had almost every team being aggressive and going after Otani. Even like teams like the Reds, there was no chance that Otani was going to sign with the Cincinnati Reds. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, they didn't cost them anything to try and to show the fan base that they were interested in getting better and thinking outside the box. And one thing I'm told, I don't have the exact details of the story, but when the, the Reds were not on that the, that finalist list that Otani's camp had given out, they actually went back to his camp and asked for another opportunity to present more because taking a long shot like that, that's that's what teams have to do. It's almost like a, a, a dreaming type thing where you had to dream big and you don't always succeed, but you got to try. It's just no excuse for that laziness, uh, which which because you look at the Orioles and there's no chance they could have not used Otani. You know, you say there's no excuse for laziness, but you're, you're the one who can't be bothered to put on pants. True, but I'm not paid specifically to put on pants. That's a good point. <laughs> if, if, if Dave called me and said, OK, we're going to give you X money. Yeah, but we're going to divide it based on how many days you wear pants a year. If you don't wear pants twenty days of the year, then we are going to reduce your salary by one eighteenth yeah. to compensate for those pants wearing. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would uh, honestly, I'd set up a kind of GoFundMe thing <laughs> for, to that end if it was a contingent. In the Orioles' case, if you're the Orioles' front office, all you do is try to make the team better. That is the entire description of your purpose for existing as an employee of the Baltimore Orioles, to make the team better. And that means going off, I mean, easy things. That means like small transactions, like digging through the minor league free agents and seeing who might be a 12th arm or a You don't think, making, you don't think uh, having a, constructing a pleasant workplace environment 
is also is also essential. I feel about this before. Like why, uh, you know, Mark DeRosa stayed employed forever. True, but I think if the team looked better, they'd also be. It also would be a much happier environment. Tends to be. How, I mean, you don't see a lot of front offices when teams win a hundred games. You don't see uh, a lot of fighting, except maybe the Red Sox. But you don't you don't see a lot of. Winning kind of makes everybody happy. It does. It has a habit of doing that, yeah. Even poor Vorish McCracken, uh, who I'm still disappointed the Red Sox didn't give him a ring because they gave everybody, like, loosely connected with the organization a ring, and he got a watch. And mm. I, that's always stuck in his cross, so I always feel bad about that when I think of it. Hmm. Well, that's... Well, I mean, it's, a watch is more useful, I suppose, than a ring, but... Um, True, but you can't yeah. really show off your, your World Series winning watch. It has less, a uh, bit less gravitas in that. Yeah, I mean, if you need to tell the time, it's really good. Could you tell time with a ring? I suppose you could set up a sort of yeah, miniature but, sundial, right? Yeah, but you can also punch people with a ring, and people always see the ring. I mean, if your sleeves are long, you might not see the watch. That's a good point. Hey, I don't know if you're if you're going to be forced to participate in it, but uh, there is a Fangraphs editorial meeting moments from now. Yes, I will participate in that. Oh, you will participate. I was invited. Good. I'm glad you are. I thought that maybe you would be uh, absolved uh, because it was your first week and you would have to be no, subjected I will. to it. No, I mean, I'm not at the point where I can I can pound my fists on the desk like Mussolini, but I can possibly participate, or at least at least it's helpful for me to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, we've accomplished almost nothing. We accomplished <laughs> almost nothing in those, but it's... Uh, That's okay. Good chance. You don't, to be, you, you, you don't want to be too productive because no. then it, it makes the stakes too high for future instances. Then everyone has a pressure to feel productive. Yeah. That's Productivity to... should be a, a nice surprise that right. just happens sometimes. Right. Yeah. 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 We, don't, yeah, we run into it. <laughs> uh, so let me, uh, for the moment, uh, let me say a couple things. Let me, A, thank you. Uh, for participating in this edition of Fangraphs Audio, you can say thank you. Say, oh, sure, you're welcome. Thank, well, you I didn't say, want to interrupt you, and I have oh, a yeah. tendency to be the interrupter. So. Yeah, you could say that. That's fine. You can interrupt me there, and I will say, uh, I'll say, um, uh, you're obligate. You've fulfilled your obligation. Thank to you. The program. You're welcome. Yeah. And here's another thing I'm gonna say is uh, welcome, uh, welcome to Team Fangraphs. Thank you. I I've been friends with you guys for a long time, and it's it's nice to be more than friends with benefits. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll let that sit on its own. Uh, that has been uh, that has been owner operator of Zips and uh, newest member, newest employee of Fangraphs.com, Dan Zaborski. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs.com. Yeah.